everyone welcome back to another episode of mixtape podcast today my guest is muhammad ali samejo and he is the author of legends of karachi uh welcome to the podcast thank you so much thank you for having me uh so let's uh start with a very typical question that authors usually get you have mentioned it in your you know author's bio uh, of why you became a writer but i would like you to share with our audience as to you know your influence and for our audience uh, later during our discussion they will uh, understand why this question uh, in this specific case is a bit more interesting um well so i'd like to say that i became an author completely by accident well, it was just a coincidence actually a friend of mine and i were talking about the state of uh, television in pakistan and the way it is these days and we were all you know uh, concerned that it is not truly reflective of pakistani society as a whole and then it's all very repetitive and there could be potential for different stories and i just happened to mention that you know i've got all these ideas in my head and then one of my friends uh, a colleague actually she said that you know why don't you uh, pitch them to television studios and i'm like i don't think i'd make it past that stage and then she suggested something which was odd at the time she said why don't you write a book and now i i had been a reader before that i had been involved in the media industry before that my father was a television producer with pakistan television for 30 years but up until that point i had it had never occurred to me to write a book i was like can i actually do that is is that something that's doable and then you know i start it it started developing in my head and then the more i researched it the more i found out you know there are people who are writing short stories and blogs and are even getting published and so one thing led to another i by chance i got a sponsored post at facebook for a writers group i joined that and from there it just sort of took off i started publishing my stories over there i was a little nervous i was wondering you know what kind of response would i get and uh, it was a it was actually an amazing response and that just sort of motivated me to keep writing and the more i wrote the better i got at it the uh, and of course i received a ton of feedback uh, it told me you know what could be better what could be uh, different as well so i worked on that i tried incorporating that into my stories and uh, this was 2017 or 18 i'm not sure exactly the year and it just has not stopped since then it's just you know gone all the way up uh, and uh, yeah yeah so your first book as you mentioned was a, sh- a collection of short stories and the <laughs> legends of karachi is your first no- uh, novel so before we get into uh, the book how was the writing experience you have already touched upon it that you know you started writing uh, and you were getting feedback from it but when you went to the compilation phase of that uh, short story Uh, how was that entire process that you had to fine tune it what was uh, what was basically i want you to share uh, your experience as a first time author so um i had tried uh, the, there were two aspects uh, two avenues that i could use to get published i could get published through the international publishers you know penguin and simon and schuster very hopeful <clears throat> but um i actually looked into it i found out how it was how the process was to query people to query agents it's uh, not that straightforward <clears throat> you actually have to look for agents in the US and the UK 
and they in turn will take your book to a publisher and they in turn will get you those really big lucrative publishing deals. Um, and this was around the time when I had finished writing my books, both of them actually. Uh, this was around the time that the lockdown happened uh, during COVID. And of course I had a lot of time in my hands. So I figured, you know, I should just start compiling the books. And uh, again, the internet helped. Uh, there are entire forums upon forums where you can find out what to do with your book. There are formatting guidelines, uh, there's APA, MLA, and uh, all the other guidelines available. And based on that, I started formatting my book. I started cleaning it. I started fine-tuning it. Um, I also came across other tools such as Grammarly. I also came across Google Docs, and they helped a lot in uh, editing the book itself. Uh, one of the other things that I found very challenging in Pakistan, particularly, was that editors were very, uh, there were not a lot of good quality editors available. And uh, I sort of pride myself on being as uh, detailed as I can be and as uh, sharp as I can be. So I took it upon myself to edit my books myself. Um, I'm not sure exactly how well that must have worked, but it has worked quite well to a certain degree. And then of course I started fine tuning it and then I started following the best practices. So when I realized that the international publishing scene was not happening, I decided to embark on it uh, by myself. And that's when I came across self-publishing for my first book, Damaged, uh, the collection of short stories. And uh, I started from that, I got a pretty nice response. I kept marketing it and then it just sort of went from there. Uh, around that time, when my first book came out, uh, Liberty got interested, Liberty Publishing got interested in my work. And uh, so I had Legends of Karachi already uh, completed and I presented that to them. I had always wanted Legends of Karachi to be um, published by a much bigger entity and uh, I'm glad that that happened. So it sort of just worked out for me, I guess. Uh, so obviously, as you uh, mentioned that, you know, uh, you had both the books ready almost at the same time and you were sort of compiling them around at the same time. However, uh, what, was the, what was the difference between the writing process when it comes to writing a short story and a full-length uh, novel and specifically something like Legends of Karachi, which is, which has a lot of, you know, characters and storylines being in an interweb sort of a situation? Um, so with, uh, okay, so full, full disclosure, um, I should probably mention that I started Legends of Karachi first. Um, it was actually my first project and it sort of spun off from that one or two stories sort of spun off from that. And I figured, you know, they didn't have a place in legends of Karachi, but they were such good stories. I thought, you know, let's try an experiment with the other collection damaged, which is the short stories. Uh, I set a couple of goals for myself. The stories had to be short stories and the stories had to involve two characters per story. And the way it would work is it would work as a conversation between two people. That's it. No other uh, characters would be present. I mean, they would be talked about, yes, but that's it. No other characters would be present in the story. So um, it was not that challenging because they were just individual short stories. The challenge was to incorporate uh, the issues that they touched on. I happen to like to write on the issues that are taking place in Pakistan, particularly in society, particularly uh, topics such as harassment, uh, bullying, uh, internet fame, social media fame, stuff like that. Um, so it wasn't that hard to actually compile damage that way. 
With Legends of Karachi, though, I had to build proper character profiles uh, because, as you said, that there are multiple characters in them. So just to take one character, there is a character of Ambreen Sani, who's the journalist. I had to chart out her entire uh, journey beforehand. Of course, it improved as I went along. And then, of course, I had to create interactions between her and the other characters. So I had to jot down her plotline first. Then I picked another character whose plotline would coincide or just go off on another tangent. So that way I had my characters in set. Uh, then I just needed to get the events in order and then build from there. So uh, building a novel is actually a lot more complicated because you need to be aware of what's taken place before. Like if you're gonna do something in chapter number 20, uh, you have to make sure it doesn't contradict with uh, chapter number 11. So that I had to sort of like plot out beforehand. So I made a rough outline. I uh, jotted it all down. And then I took the characters along through those plot lines. Um, speaking of Legends of Karachi, uh, the book starts off, uh, obviously you have uh, already shared with our audience that, you know, it's, uh, you like talking about, you know, subjects that, are very relevant to our you know daily life uh and the book starts off i am not going to give out a, a lot of plot lines so so that you know the readers don't nothing is spoiled for them uh but it starts off as a story that we expect a karachi urban story to start with and you know we uh, at to us uh, to an extent in the initial phase of the book you feel like you know this is going you see where the plot is going and you think that, you know, we, uh, unlike the real life, we might find heroes or we find might find, you know, the pro protagonist in, in the daily life people. And for a change, the common man wins. Uh, but then suddenly something happens and the book, the entire genre of the book apparently changes. It is no longer just a simple fiction, urban fiction. There's a sci-fi element to it. And it starts feeling like you're actually reading a script of a, a you know, a Hollywood film. So, and I will combine this with my next question because you've already answered part of it. Is that, you know, did you develop characters first or did you develop the plot line first? When, at what point did you decide that, you know, this is the sort of uh, combination that you want to bring in? Because usually mainstream um, Desi English writing is very straightforward, has, sticks to more traditional storylines. A very few people are sort of, you know, divulging into sci-fi, and, but you, this is not, I won't call this a hardcore sci-fi because it was a mix. So how did all of that happen? I'll take the Hollywood thing as a compliment. <laughs> as, as for, uh, you know, you actually made a very good point. I did start fleshing the characters out first um, because up until that point, remember, I had no business being an author. I didn't even know the first thing about being an author, but I did know the kind of people that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about people like Ambreen or Nadir or GM or Sabah, the characters in the book. Um, so I had them in mind. I had their circumstances in mind. And of course, I you know, involved some sci-fi elements as well as some metaphysical elements. You'll notice all of that happening. But what I attempted to do at this point was to sort of ground it, not make it completely, you know, unrealistic. I mean, obviously you could have a fiction with aliens from other worlds uh, or, you know, black magic and stuff like that. I wanted, it, I wanted to keep it, you know, relevant to 
how society is as well as how far technology has progressed. For example, there is an entire plot line about, you know, um, uh, surveillance, for example, without giving too much of the plot away. And you can see that happening even now. It's happening right now. You, you may not know it, but uh, surveillance is happening on a much bigger scale if you have ever ventured into what Edward Snowden has leaked out and stuff like that. So that was just one aspect. And I think, okay, fine, let's just, you know, stretch it just a little bit more. Um, there are other elements which I figured, okay, fine, yeah, this would actually be pushing uh, the realms of reality. But I decided very long ago when I was writing Legends of Karachi that this would not be a conventional story. This would be brimming with what ifs, um, like the actions that Saba takes. Um, there, you know, normally if you see those kind of circumstances, you're like, you know what, none of my business, I'm not getting into it. But what if, and then you have the whole story there. And then, of course, you know, you come up with a sci-fi story of uh, K-Electric doing power breakdowns everywhere. But what if, and it's just, you know, pushing that realm of imagination up ahead a little bit. So that is what I wanted to do. I didn't want to, you know, uh, fool people into thinking that this would be a conventional story. It wasn't. I wanted people to understand that uh, these are the kind of stories that happen to us on a daily basis. At the same time, um, every now and then, if I were to pass by a stranger on the street doing something outlandish, I'd be like, you know what? I wonder what that, what kind of life that person has. You know, what if he's actually more than meets the eye? And uh, that's how it just took off from there. So a bit of sci-fi, a bit of uh, supernatural, a bit of metaphysical stuff in there, but again, kept grounded. That was what I wanted to do, nothing too outlandish. Uh, and, and that is, I think, something that I really like because, you know, we who have uh, our pop culture for our generation has been, you know, when you were sort of fed up with the local stuff, it was Hollywood. And one of the things while we like watching it, there's a thing that always says, you know, every time there's, uh, you know, uh, this uh, apocalyptic or a attack on the humanity, it always happens in New York City, uh, apparently. Okay. So I, I, I like the fact that, you know, uh, Karachi is uh, culturally and you know on, on uh, the sort of lifestyle it has is always compared to you know the world's one of the world's biggest uh, metropolitan cities and it, it it really it was it was very you could actually re relate to it and the fact that there were those you know um, sci-fi and th those sort of elements it was actually fun reading um, so speaking of those sort of elements uh, you used Roman characters. Now, again, we won't be giving a lot of details, but you, uh, there is an aspect where you have like shared these very specific characters you have given uh, in the book. Regular people on the front, but they have this, you know, sort of alter uh, ego sort of a personality traits. What were, and the names are very specific. They have symbols, they have very specific relevance. Where did uh, that uh, idea came in? Um, okay, yeah, uh, you, you're referring to, uh, without spoiling too much, um, but yes, uh, there were Roman analogs, there were people who were given Roman code names. Um, I, I suppose it, because, you know, again, uh, as per my introduction, I've been bred on, you know, Hollywood and Western entertainment, and I've watched it all my life, growing up in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s, that is all your, you know, your force fed on. And yes, you know, every single movie will tell you that every single alien invasion happens in the US. 
I got fed up with that. I wanted them to come to Karachi. There's another book by uh, Mr. Omar Iftikhar. He actually yeah. wrote a sci-fi on yeah. in aliens coming to Karachi. But as far as uh, the Roman characters were concerned, I had this idea of incorporating a kind of secret society almost. And, you know, they would be unique. They would be special. They would have uh, code names and, you know, their own code. So I was kind of looking for something that would you know, be completely different. And then all of a sudden I realized what their uh, individual aspects were. And then I sort of came up with the idea of naming them up after uh, the Roman deities. So for instance, you have, uh, uh, you have a guy like Mercury who is uh, very hot-headed. He likes, you know, jumping into problems. You have a guy like uh, Mars, who as we all know is the, is the deity of war. So I incorporated that into a person who spe specializes in combat situations. And then you have a guy like Pluto, who is the harbinger of death. So that name worked out. And, you know, it, it just started turning very clever. And then I did a little bit more research. I found those uh, symbols that are strewn across the book. And I figured it would be a very interesting thing to do. It would be a very novel thing to do. And uh, so that's how it came about. It was just one of those things that happened, really. It wasn't one of my plans, but it sort of developed into one. And that's one of the wonders of writing. Um, you start off with something, and as you keep on uh, chiseling it away, you discover more and more layers, and those layers fascinate you. And you're like, you know what? What if they fascinate other people? And there they are. And uh, your characters did fascinate uh, a lot. And I think one of the another plus that went for this book was the fact that despite uh, you had these you know, Hollywoodish elements uh, to, the uh, the, to the characters. The plot line, the stories, the issues were very much grounded. And, you know, it, there wasn't any aspect where it was like, oh, you know, this, uh, you know, new tech uh, solution is here to fix this, you know, age old social problem or, you know, our K-Electrics issue can be resolved just with, you know, uh, a flick of a wand, but that didn't happen. Um, but wouldn't that be nice though? Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, <laughs> well, that would be awesome. But unfortunately, um, I, I think not doing that also, you know, I think uh, gave character uh, to the to the plot uh, to the story. Um, all the, uh, I think the when it comes to uh, jotting down as a book reviewer, for example, if I'm jotting down the positives of this book, uh, something that's on top well, on top of the thing would be that from the start to the end. What fascinated me was that there were characters and it felt like they were, you know, short stories in, in, in themselves. But in the end, the view, everything was basically every character, big or small, sort of connected into the bigger plot. However, there was just one character that I felt did not gel in as well as all the other pieces of the puzzle did. Uh, which was, and not that the individual story, if you read that section, it was interesting in itself to, you know, use that uh, concept of, uh, you know, metaphysical uh, elements in it, but it didn't, uh, I felt it didn't well into the bigger storyline as well as everything else did. That was that uh, of the professor who was at the grid, uh, you know, trying to go back in time. So just care to elaborate on that. Um, so it was, okay, yeah, the professor story did not actually, you know, work well. I mean, yeah, it uh, was 
just sort of like a plot device that, okay, fine, you had a big power breakdown, all right, all over the city. And uh, <clears throat> so it was just one of those what if scenarios about, you know, what if this would happen? Um, but you're right, it didn't merge exactly with the rest of the plot line. It was just sort of like um, as a side flavor. And even right until the end, I was kind of conflicted about whether or not to keep it. Because as I mentioned that, you know, this, this story, if you notice, it was also like a conversation. And it was kind of from where the idea of my short story collection sort of spun off. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice to sort of, you know, uh, have it there? But then I realized, uh, you know, why not just leave it in there? Why not, you know, let the reader make their own assumptions about what to do with it? Whether they want it to fit into the narrative is up to them. And even if they don't want it to fit with the narrative, you know, uh, it's perfectly fine. It's, an, it's a story that can be enjoyed by itself. Um, the reason I sort of like left it in there was because mostly because of the power breakdown thing. Uh, plus, uh, I think uh, I wrote that story at a very critical point in my own life. So I figured, you know what, that story sort of needed to be there. And uh, some people have actually enjoyed it a lot in Legends of Karachi. Yeah. A couple of other people have actually sort of been vocal about, you know, why the story is even there. But it's there. And it's just like one of those side elements, like another story with... Um, Seklan, the rickshaw driver, it's yeah. also there. Yeah. Um, it sort of connects, but, you know, um, I was actually hoping on leaving more sequel possibilities for later. So maybe it's there for that reason. Maybe I'll sort of, you know, look into that at that point. Not sure about the professor, though. I think the professor's story is just there. But it also acts like one of those stories that, you know, you hear in uh, the sense of what Karachi can be like. You know, there's this guy who, whatever. <laughs> so there you are. Uh, yeah, while it doesn't fit in the, uh, as I said, at the end, all the puzzle pieces fit in, it do didn't, doesn't like really gets in there, but it, it wasn't that much out of the line, but because once that, you know, that element of the book, but it was like, well, you know, as you say, anything can happen in Karachi, it was like, sure, why not? Yeah, that's right. Exactly that. This exactly that. Yeah, it could. Why not? Right. You know, you never know. Again, you never know what people are like. Um, your next door neighbor could be, you know, plotting something. Who knows? And so it was just one of those things, you know, what, how far can I push the realm of imagination? And that's where it sort of went with that. So given so that, so yeah, given that you had to like, uh, as you shared earlier, that you know there were you had to like take on storyboarding characters very seriously in this book, and you know, obviously they got polished as the storyline went, but you know you had to come up with these. So, which one was your favorite character? Okay, um, that's it's kind of tough. You know, as an author, you sort of, you know, exactly, become very yeah, that's kind of like asking a parent, you know, which kid is favorite. And I'm a parent, so I've got two girls and I'd, I'd rather not pick favorites. <laughs> but if I had to be really invested with one particular character, um, I was very invested with the character of uh, Dr. Sabah Sheikh. Yeah. I was invested in her character because she had a very uh, black and white idea or perception of the world because she hadn't lived in Pakistan. She grew up somewhere else and then she saw the world from a completely different lens. And then when she came back to Pakistan, uh, she could not, well, she could relate to it because obviously there is uh, there are conditions of domestic violence happening in the US as well. And then when she came to Pakistan, she could not sort of like accept how it was presented to her. 
Um, and being a medical professional, the choices that she made to sort of like take on this threat of domestic violence, that is what really struck me because as doctors, doctors are very, <clears throat> I like to believe that doctors are very moral people. They act according to a moral code. And the fact that Saba does not see that code as a very hard written rule and decides to you know, do what she can, that is what really struck with me for Saba as a character. I wanted to examine that particularly. So that's why, you know, that was one of the characters that really, you know, struck with me. My next question would be about uh, more focused on the ending of the book. Yeah, um, okay. So usually when we sort of read something of this uh, yonder or mix of yonder, usually uh, the idea, even if it's uh, done, this form of storytelling is done, be it in the book form or in a comic or in a you know, in a film or TV thing, at the end, they feel like, you know, there's a, there's going to be a closure. There's going to be a sort of uh, a happy ending version of it where, you know, the problem has been fixed. You didn't go that route. You opted for a very open-ended, as you uh, use the word for that uh, scientist story that, you know, you left it there for readers to, you know, see yeah. how they want to perceive it. The ending also I felt was something like, you know, you kept it open-ended. Yes, there was a time where things apparently for some, uh, a, a, Nader's character, for example, for him, it he ended up developing yeah. something that he had in his mind, but it didn't end, uh, you know, the reality mm -hmm. after the U Utopia went, it didn't really resolve an issue. Maybe also leaving the point that, you know, the human, there is no golden, uh, rule or there's no you know magic wand for the issues that humanity faces um, you have to you know go with the flow and you have to deal with the small portions of it as they come so want to uh, elaborate a bit on your takeoff when you were deciding on leaving an open ending and not a rosy picture of you know well you know all the powers combined captain planet is here to uh, solve the things wasn't there so just uh, share how you decided that that's how you want to leave the book. Yeah, okay. Um, um, you know, as uh, growing up, you know, I've seen so many happy endings happen, you know, they all lived happily ever after. Everything was so fine. Every single Bollywood movie ends at a happy ending, you know, hero saves the heroine and destroys the villain and, you know, but you have to ask yourself, when that the end appears, is that the end? Like, is there more to the story? Does life just stop going on for those characters? All right. And one of the lessons that I learned uh, the hard way, sort of, is that life actually does not end. Life just keeps going on and on. And just because you stop seeing that life go on, it doesn't mean that, you know, um, it stopped. Uh, this is one of the things that um, I examined in another short story that I wrote for Damaged. Uh, that was based on a popular television uh, serial in Pakistan called Anakwala Jinn. Um, and I wrote it from the point of view of the villain because, you know, we all saw that the villain disappeared and was vanquished. But then I wrote it from his point of view, what happened exactly after he was vanquished, right? Did he just stop living? Did, was there a happily ever after? Because things rarely ever end. Things turn around. All right, things go from good to bad to worse. Like even if you look at political situations, we're thinking, you know, things are going good, the bad guys are gone. And then all of a sudden things turn around. So 
who knows? So I wanted to leave it open-ended and open to interpretation to let the readers decide for themselves. Uh, what would they like? Would they like to have closure? Because it's actually not really you know, possible in the realm of continuance. Would they like to see more? And I kind of left it open-ended because maybe I was going to write a sequel, Legends of Karachi 2, okay? But more than that, I wanted to let people know that, you know, there are no ends, only loose ends. And now you've got loose ends everywhere with the epilogue that I wrote. Um, I wrote it that way so that people would uh, be able to cultivate their own endings, be able to figure out, you know, what might have happened, and even look forward to a continuance of sorts. So that is why I left it open-ended. That was one of the reasons. And plus, again... I didn't see their journeys ending. I just saw their journeys beginning. So that was what my plan was. Uh, that's a very interesting way to put it. And I think uh, you've, you've summed it up really well. Uh, before I put out my actual question, which is obviously going to be asking you what you're up to nowadays, as you've mentioned, you have plans for, you know, maybe a prequel or sequels. But just uh, before, because you have, sort of had that experience with your father of, you know, having access to TV production. Have you ever thought of actually pitching this to our local production houses somehow? Because I think their typical stories are done and dusted with and everybody says, you know, where are different stories? And my take on that is I, you and a, a lot of other local authors are, that are writing very interesting things. And I was like, you know, all they have to do is pick a book and, you know, opt for an ad uh, adaptation for it. Uh, Hollywood does it, uh, Netflix does it, so why not our yeah, production houses? So have you ever thought of, you know, trying your luck on that side as well? Uh, well, you know, since it's only been like a couple of years that I've actually got something, you know, tangible and product produced and everything, uh, I'm sure given time, I would love to, you know, submit it up ahead. Um, also with regards to how my time with my father, father was spent and you know it was a long time ago it's it seems like a completely different lifetime ago I did you know assist him with productions and stuff um so I might have a few bridges left that I might actually get in touch with on the other hand I would just love to sort of like hi I'm a writer just you know have a look at my book at the same time I would like to see a certain kind of you know maturity among television producers the artists the production companies to welcome stories like this, not just mine. There are stories out there that are, you know, pushing the boundaries. And uh, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, their take on what the audience wants. But I would like to see the audience welcome something like Legends of Karachi or something like Divided Species or something like Love Not. Um, I, that's, I'm very hopeful about that. Let's see how that goes. It's just one of those things that I have to sort of like exercise a wait and see approach. So any, uh, you are writing on anything else? Are you working on any, uh, another book, short story? And when can people expect to see it? Uh, yes, I am sort of like finishing my next book. It's, uh, it's not a collection of short stories. It's more like a series. Uh, it's, it's basically a crime investigation series based in Pakistan. Um, so it has elements of, excuse me, some elements of detective shows from abroad. And, uh, the idea is that there is a special police uh, task force that is, um, investigating crimes of a sexual nature in Pakistan. 
particularly different kinds of, you know, uh, harassment issues or uh, sexual harassment issues or gender-based violence. So there is an investigative team of the police that is looking into it. It's uh, kind of a revolutionary idea, not just for the police itself, but like for people in Pakistan. But they are investigating these crimes with an open mind and with certain expertise. They have uh, the central character of this book is their consultant who is sort of like a reformed criminal himself. And they're using his expertise to sort of get to these uh, get to these crimes so that um i'm actually sort of like i'd like to say i'm 87 percent done with it once it's complete i'm gonna start you know shop around for publishers and see how that goes good luck with that and the idea sounds really interesting um before we go do you want to plug in any social media accounts where if anybody wants to reach out to you how can they get in touch Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Instagram all the time. Um, and I don't know if I can just like type it in. It's M.A. Samejo. I'm right there. I've been there for like a f ever since I started, um, you know, plugging damaged. I've been on Facebook for a while, but I'm sort of like taking a break from Facebook these days. But yes, I'm on Instagram all the time. And uh, it's M-A-S-A-M-E-J-O. You know, just come over there, check out some of my stuff from my book. I keep up posting stuff from my book over there all the time. Uh, I do some creative graphics over there as well. So uh, I'm easily accessible on Instagram. Um, people can catch me up there. Uh, we'll also uh, like uh, plug it in in our text uh, when you post this podcast on our different platforms. Uh, thank you so much for your time. This was a really interesting and fun conversation. Uh, best of luck for your future uh, books. And we would like to have you back again and discuss them as well. I would love to. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm also glad that you enjoyed the book too. And, uh, you know, thank you so much again. God bless. Take care. Thank you. See you, see you around.